these videos. So many of you have commented on them. You see the video where you have a drone looking down at the property, okay? That was kind of clever. Uh, what prevented us from having that drone come in July and August when they were working on the roof and taking pictures of them working on the roof? And why didn't we, as I've said before, why didn't we include that in these videos? The answer is a simple one. Uh, fast forward has very little to do with the brick and the mortar and, and fixing roofs and fire alarm systems. It has everything, everything to do with what you've seen in those videos. Okay? Parochial schools and, and LWMLs and choirs and uh, Compassion International, everything. There is one uh, last video we want to share as part of that series. And I think, it, uh, I think it well thought out by God because this last video deals with a ministry that has been here for 160 years. I don't know. I tried to Google it. I don't know how many churches last 160 years, 2%. Uh, I don't know how many parochial schools last for 160 years with everything that can go wrong. I don't know, 1%, less than 1%. That's the miracle that exists here. I want to show you this video, Megan Malone, pertaining to our parochial school ministry. Please, there, Tim. I live in a blue ribbon school district. When I had my son, it was a pretty easy decision to send him to Trinity. The one thing that I felt very strongly that Trinity could offer that the Blue Ribbon School could not offer was the God piece, of course, the faith. I love so many things about Trinity. Of course, the pastors, both of their preaching is just beautiful. You always leave feeling like, did they, did they know that was going on in my life? How did they know that, you know? And so it's really um, a blessing every Sunday. I feel like a part of the family at Trinity, not just in the church, but also at the school. It's just been a huge blessing to us. The teachers are so amazing. They're not just teachers, they're nurses, they're surrogate parents, they're um, counselors. When your child's not with you, it feels very comforting to know that they're with someone that you absolutely trust. My son started Trinity at three pre-K, so he's gone three pre-K, four pre-K, kindergarten, and now first grade. He's doing so well, he loves to learn. He comes home excited to do his homework, which is kind of funny, but it's great. So knowing that he's getting a solid education and also his heart is being protected, just feels so good. We live in a world where the laws of God are purposely broken and mocked. So I've chosen to send my child to Trinity where he can grow in the light of God. Everything that they do in the school is helping each child to build their relationship with God. And that is the difference. When I hear fast forward, I think that we're making a change for the future. We're helping the next generation and the next Trinity Lutheran Church and School to continue sharing God with, with the next generation. There's just a feeling that you get when you leave a service at Trinity or a parent-teacher conference and you just feel like God's there. It's hard to explain. 
And that's kind of where the blessing comes in. It's, it's not just yours to keep and hold tight. It's for you to share with others. And then I feel like that's how we change the world. Sharing the love of God, sharing our talents and our gifts and financially helps you to feel like like you're, cha- you're making a change for the better. You're impacting the world. And maybe it's a small change, but that's where it has to begin. If, if everybody gives a little bit, it turns into a big change. If one person gives a lot, that's great. But if everybody gives a little bit, that's how change takes place. I hear so many stories about people who say that they don't really have much to give, and that's great. Maybe it's a very small amount, but then to see the ways in which God blesses you because you've been so obedient and you've done what he's asked, I think those stories are really amazing to me because you hear where where there is no way, God makes a way. And that's been the case for me. Of course, giving more is never comfortable, but I don't think that God leaves us comfortable too long. We do need to dig deep, and I don't necessarily mean digging deep into your pocketbooks, but digging deep into your soul to realize the impact and and everybody's impact is different but the impact that the church and the school have made on our lives individually and do we want that to continue of course the answer is yes i think that everybody should prayerfully think about what impact can they make for future generations for another 160 years powerful right Right? Powerful. Powerful. Sermon is entitled, He Wants Us to Know It Was Him. Sermon is entitled, He Wants Us to Know It Was Him. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. One of my favorite Christmas movies is A Christmas Carol written by Charles Dickens. There's a favorite line in that movie that whenever I see it, I always smile. doesn't matter whether it's the LSR Sims version or the George E. Scott version. I love that Christmas movie. The three spirits of Christmas, past, present, and future, they have come to Ebenezer Scrooge. And now it is Christmas Day. And the transformation in the man is extraordinary. Leaning out the window, he sees a little boy go by. And he says to the little boy, what day is it? And the boy grunts and he says, it's Christmas Day. And Ebenezer explodes with joy. I haven't missed it. I haven't missed it. Says to the little boy, that huge turkey in the block next over, is it still there? And the little boy said, it is. And Ebenezer said, go get that turkey. And the boy said, yeah, right. And he said, no, 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 you go get the turkey. I'll give you half a crown. If you come back within five minutes, I'll give you a full crown. And the boy comes back with the potier. And there's the turkey. And the potier says to Ebenezer Scrooge, where do you want me to send this turkey? He gives him the address of Bob Cratchit. He said, I want you to send it to his house. And the potier says, What is your name, sir? Who should I say has sent this turkey? And Ebenezer Scrooge says, Anonymous. You tell them Anonymous has sent this turkey. I don't want them to know who it was. I want to remain anonymous. Always makes me smile. 
I always uh, wrestle with myself, however. I sit and think, Charles Dickens, that was nice. Uh, Scrooge's desire to do an act of kindness, completely unbeknownst, his name not attached. But the other part of me says, Ebenezer, why didn't you tell them who sent it? Why didn't you tell them that the mean, crotchety old guy that you were has changed? Why didn't you tell them you had sent it? They figured it out. But why didn't you tell them? Does God want to remain anonymous? For whatever reasons, does God want to remain anonymous? Let me read a couple of portions of Scripture. The Apostle Paul said, We do not preach ourselves, never have, never will. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And we preach ourselves as His servants for Jesus' sake. To let the light of God be known through the face of Christ. We have this treasure. We have this ability to live for God and to share Him in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Does God... Want to remain anonymous. There's a passage in Judges chapter 7. Gideon has been asked to fight the Midianites. And Gideon, like Adam in the Garden of Eden, he tries to hide from God. He says, you got the wrong guy. I'm no warrior. I'm, uh, I'm good at farming stuff, man, but I'm no warrior. Uh, kind of like Moses, right? Pick someone else, and God says to him, you're going to do this. Get out of the hay mile and uh, uh, do what I'm asking you to do. The army is fighting against the Midianites, uh, probably 185,000, 200,000 warriors. And Gideon has 30,000 men. And God says to Gideon, you have too many soldiers. <laughs> Because if they win the victory, they'll think the victories come from them. You have too many soldiers. You tell your men that if they're afraid at all, they should leave right now. 22,000 men left. 8,000 are left. God says to Gideon, you have too many soldiers still. If they beat the 185,000 Midianites, they'll think the victories come from them. Do this, Gideon. Take them down to the stream. Have them drink water. If they get down and drink and lap water like a dog and are looking around to make sure the enemy's not there, you keep them. And if they put their weapons down and they kneel down and they take the water in their hands and bring it to their face and tell them to go home... 300 men kept the weapons in their hand, got down and lapped the water like a dog. 300 men against 185,000 Midianites. And God said, now, Gideon, when I give you the victory, you will know it is me. 
Does God want to remain anonymous? The Israelites are there, Red Sea in front of them, chariots of Pharaoh behind them, Exodus 14. And the people are terrified. They are trembling with fear. They know they're about to be slaughtered. And God says to them, Exodus 14, verse 14, Be still. Let God move. And the waters of the Red Sea are open. Does God want to remain anonymous? Never. 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 Hebrews 11.6 What pleases God when we know that He is real? What pleases God when we know that He is real? We are jars of clay, people. I hope we have more than 300 jars of clay make pledges. But if we have 300 or 200 make pledges, it'll be God saying, I want you to know it's me. 91 have pledged thus far. Does God want to remain anonymous? No. What is human nature like? Human nature, we want to be known if something good has happened at work or in the neighborhood or in the church or in the school or in the uh, club that we belong to. If something good has happened and it was our idea and it was our invention and our, it was our plan and we helped to fund it, we want everyone to know. If George is getting credit and it was my idea, we're going to let people know it wasn't George, man, that's my idea. Human nature is that way. We just want people to know that we were involved. And that's all right, in a way. That's all right. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before... Let your light, Paul Strand. Let your light, Dennis and Tom and Mike and Sally and Susan. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works. And here's the catch. And then give glory to God. Let them see your good works, that they may give glory, not to you, but they may give glory to God. Human nature is something good is done, and as part of it, I, I want to be recognized. On the other hand, if something goes wrong, if somehow or other the idea flopped or the plan failed, we're quick to say, hey, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That was George. <laughs> We're, we're quick to deflect. Does God want to remain anonymous? When the first two people buried in that cemetery were not an 85-year-old grandma belonging to one of the 13 families that started the church, when the first two that were buried in the cemetery were two babies, God come, came to those 13 families and said, Fear not. I'm with you. 23 years later, when the church burned down, 1882, 13 families, maybe there were 17 families or 20 families by that time, there had to have been the discussion, let's just close it up 
But God came to someone or two or three of those families and he said, no, no, no. I'm going to show you that it's me. 1918, when Irv Engelhardt's mom and dad died in the flu epidemic, when her, the mom and dad were 28, 32 years of age, and when that flu epidemic took more than one or two members of the small congregation at that time, uh, God said, I'm here, I'm here. I want you to know I'm here. And in the wars, World War I, World War II, where members of the church went over to Europe and didn't come back, and the whole congregation is grieving, God said, I want you to know it's me. When a pastor or a vicar becomes sick and dies in the congregation, uh, God said, I'm here. I want you to know it's me. He never wants to remain Anonymous. The Apostle Paul, talking to the philosophers on Mars Hill, he said, you got all sorts of gods you're worshiping, and I see a statue here, man, for an unknown god. The god that you have as unknown is a god that I know and desires to be known by all. And he tells them about God, and he tells them about his Son, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. He does not want to remain anonymous. Why? To feed his ego? Does he need us to feed his ego? Does he create us so that he can be even more powerful with three billion out of seven billion people on this earth praising him? Is that why God does it? Let me ask you this. Your children... Why do you want them to love you and to trust you? Why? To feed your ego. When your child is going through a difficult time, your heart breaks more than theirs does. Amen? I know you're not Baptist, but amen. When your children are going through a difficult time, your heart breaks more than theirs. When they shed tears, it breaks your heart. When your grandchildren shed tears, it breaks your heart. And you would do anything in the world to wrap your arms around them and say, just let it go, let it go. Mom and Dad's here, God is here, just let it go. And when there is a joy in their life, your heart explodes more than theirs does. Right? Your heart explodes more than theirs does. Why does God want us to know that He's real? For that precise reason. So that no matter what we are going through on this earth, if we know God is real, as I've said a hundred million times in 32 years, when something good is going on in our life, he wants us to know it was him, not for his ego, but for what it does for us. He does not want our life ruled by fear or worry or shame or guilt. And when we know it's him, we wake up of a morning and we say, this is the day that, who? This is the day that Anonymous has made? I don't think so. 
This is the day that God has made. It's for us. I want you to know that I can make the raging waters calm because I'm God. I want you to know that I can take the brown pastures that are going on in your life right now and turn them back to green. I want you to know it's me. And I want you to know that when the enemies come, I'm going to set up a table for you. I'm going to get the folding table out and I'm going to set it up right there in the middle of the living room and you're going to sit here and I'm going to sit here. This is not anonymous people, this is God. Jesus doesn't want to remain anonymous, equal with God, comes down here, dies on the cross for our salvation. God raises him from the dead. And the Bible says God has given him a name that is anonymous. No. God has given him a name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow. This capital campaign... How does a single mom make a three-year pledge when she doesn't have much? How in the world does she do that? And, and how is it that two days later her children turn in pledges? How does that happen? She would say, it's God. How does Megan Malone and, and Emily Williams and B. Fields... And, and Jackie Genius and Bill Hausenjäger, how in the world do they come up with videos like that? Just the right words, just the right words, just the right words, and, and it's from the heart, and you can tell it. How does that happen? They would say, it's God. I'm a jar of clay. That's God. How does Pastor Schauer preach a sermon on stewardship that is so extraordinary that I hear it three times, and every time he preaches, I hear every word he says. How does that happen? Pastor Shower said, I'm Jar Clay. <laughs> it's him. How does a woman who was so angry some six weeks ago, we should have sold Delta Sonic, we wouldn't have to be doing this. How does she come four weeks later, sit down next to me here in the front pew after reveal and say to me, I'm so glad that Delta Sonic didn't happen. Pastor, can you believe what has happened With this, can you believe how it's united the church? Can you believe how it's changed lives? What would prompt her to have a change of heart like that? Her? No. It was him. It was him. And one of our leaders who I have esteemed ever since I've been here, I've worked with him in so many committees, and he says to me, Paul, I know we have to do this. I know we have to do this, but but don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up, man. Because we don't have the deep pockets we did 30 years ago when we built this church. Don't get your hopes up. And now he's one of the most enthusiastic encouragers of Fast Forward. How does this happen? He will always want us to know that it's him. He will always want us to know it's him. Whenever I got nervous or worried in these past weeks, I would always remind myself that Bill and Barb Lupke were praying, and their committee was praying, and I would remember so many of you coming up to me saying, Pastor, this is much in my prayers. 
And when I would think about that, the fears and the worries, they would just disappear. They were not saying, I'm praying to an anonymous God. They would say, I'm praying to Him. Why are we doing this closing word? Because of Him. Because of Him. Because we do not want Him to remain anonymous. Let us build a parochial school, and over the course of 160 years, let there be how many? A million? Let there be a million children and their families go through the school hearing about Jesus every day. Let us start a small group ministry and let us impact 500, 600 people a year and let us multiply that by the 15 years we've been doing it, okay? Why do we have small groups? Why do we have a parochial school? Why do we have LWML? Why do we have Feed My Starving Children? Why do we have any of this? Because we want them to know Him. Not someone anonymous, but we want them to know Him. The one who takes the storms of our lives, sits us down, says, turn it over to me, leave it with me. The Almighty God, leave it with me. Walk away and I, your God, will give you peace. He's what Megan said the teachers were. He's a counselor, he's a comforter, he's a nurse, he's a doctor. He's your Savior. In His powerful name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Nothing anonymous about you, Lord. When the 14-year-old David comes against Goliath, Goliath spits at him and he says, You're a boy, and I'm going to take your carcass and throw it across the fields and the Birds and the animals will eat it. And, and David, 14 years of age, he learned it from his mom and dad. He said, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come against you in the name. He didn't say, I come against you in the name of Anonymous. I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He will deliver me. He will deliver you into my hands. Heavenly Father, Be with every individual in this church. Be with Trinity Lutheran Church and School. Your spirit hovering, descending. And above all else, as Raleigh Anderson prayed before this service started with Pastor Shower and myself, he said, it's not so much about the end, Lord. It's about the journey, this three-year fast forward. It's not about the end. It's not about the million dollars. It's about the journey that each of us is taking. And that journey has brought us so much closer to you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In our Savior's name, amen.